Welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim, and uh, it's good to have you with us this morning. We're in a series of lessons called It's All in Your Head. And I don't know if anybody's ever said that to you before. It really, usually when they say something like that, it's not a compliment, is it? You know, that's, that's just all in your head. Uh, but there is a lot of things that, uh, in life here that are determined by what's going on here. And uh, we've been looking at that. Uh, we've been looking at the power of our thoughts. I don't know what you're learning about your thoughts. Mine tend to jump around and random. I, I jump tracks. I lose my train of thought. Uh, sometimes uh, I give things a second thought or I try to put it out of my head. There's just a lot of stuff like that uh, rolling around in my mind during this series. And... Um, Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs 4. The Bible is filled with, filled with verses about thinking. Look what it says here. He says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. He's saying my life here is determined by what's going on up here. And so how I manage my thoughts, how you manage your thoughts really does matter. Um, because it, because what happens in our head has an impact on everything. Everything we're doing. And today, see, I want to talk about uh, thinking about what is right or thinking about the right thing or a right way of thinking. It's from Philippians 4. This is the passage we've been looking at week after week after week. Last week we looked at honorable things. Today we're looking at things that are right. And here's what Paul told the church at Philippi from a prison cell. When everything was going wrong, the Apostle Paul said to the church of Philippi, think about things that are true and honorable and right. Now, why? Why is that so important? Because right thoughts lead to right choices. Anybody here like to make better choices this year than they did last year? You think about some of the choices, some of the things you go, what was I thinking? <laughs> why do you say that? Because the path to our actions, if you go back, you'll find there was a thought there. There was something going on there. And I'm sure some of you here would like to make better health choices make right choices for your body or maybe there's a maybe it's a making better choices with the relationships you have or maybe there there um, there's some others like maybe some financial choices you'd like to make some better choices or maybe some ethical choices uh, i would love to to make better choices this year well it all starts in your head it all starts by taking logical measures Thinking logically, using your common sense, using the brain that God has given you and I, and and uh, learning to think the way God would like us to think. Look at here, Proverbs twenty-one twenty-nine. The wicked bluff their way through, but the virtuous think before they act. Before they do something, the virtuous, the wise, the godly, the good, is what other translations would say. They think, they think some things before they do something because they want to do the right thing. They want to do the, the best thing. Now today I want to look at four powerful thoughts that can help you and I determine what is right. Before we make a decision, we need to think about these. The Bible's got lots of them. I found four that, that I, I use personally that are very powerful. And I hope you find that to be true in your life as well. First of all, I think about what God wants. If I want to make right decisions, I want to do what's right, I need to think about what God wants. You know, every decision you and I make is based on a desire. Every decision you make is based on your, would you agree with that? Based on your desire? Based on what you want. 
You know, every decision I make comes down to what I want. Any choices that I've made, nobody held a gun to my head. I, I desired to do that for whatever reason. Fear, greed, pleasure, righteous, godly, whatever, whatever I do, whatever you and I do, we're deciding based on what we want. Sometimes we base our choices on what other people want. That's called peer pressure. I always thought we'd outgrow that when we got older. Doesn't happen, does it? Am I right, folks? There's still that pressure, that fear of what people think. What are they going to do? How are they going to see me? Or I want to fit in. And so there's all these other, the other people's choices. And listen, if you, if you don't have a desire, somebody else will give you theirs. They'll, they'll, they'll implant their desire in you if you don't have a desire. And whose fault is that? That's mine. So it really comes down to, I, I, maybe I should have said, I think about what I really want. Maybe that's what the point should be. Nah, I like this one. What God really wants. Because if I, because really you think about it, what I really should want is what God wants. If my desire is what God wants, that's the best desire behind any of the choices you and I make. That's the best desire to have. And that's the desire to please God and to base what I'm about to do on what He wants. So before I decide to do anything, before I decide what I should do, I should let God weigh in. Look at this here in Psalms 119, verse 15. David said this, I spend time thinking about your rules. I consider how you want me to live. He says, I think about what your word says. I think about what your laws say. I think about your statutes. I think about what you say about this topic. This thought went through my mind. When you were kids, do you remember looking for dirty words in the dictionary? Fess up. I remember as a kid in high school, in high school, the big, thick dictionary in the library. And a bunch of us guys get together. What do you want to look up? Let's look up a dirty word. And we try to find it. And it wasn't there. Now, it's there now because it's become a regular word in our culture. But it wasn't there at the time. Things sure have changed. And I tell you, sometimes I feel like I'm doing the Bible that way. I'm looking for that specific, what's the Bible say about? You guys ever use that website? What does the Bible say about? It's my favorite. Type in, what's the Bible say about? And you just fill in the blank and it kind of gives you, and some of the scriptures they go, who was, somebody was just playing with people. They don't even make sense. But sometimes we can go to the Bible thinking, I want a, I want a Bible verse or a, you know, that's specific. Like that dirty word in the dictionary. Well, since it's, it's not specific, it must not be in there. Really? You know, when you let God weigh in on something, sometimes you just gotta ask, I wonder what the, what He says. Where's a Bible story that might relate to this? Or who's a person? You know, in the Bible, or is there a, is there a direct command? Maybe they use a different word than the word I'm looking for. You know, sometimes I need to look at other words that mean the same thing, and I find by searching if I'm looking for a particular word, I'm a word hound. I am always looking for the right word. I've had people criticize me, say, "Tim, you use every translation, any translation, to get your thought across." No, I'm just trying to make it understandable for me and hopefully for you. And and that's why I think it's interesting here that, that, that David says, I think about 
how you want me to live. I I ask myself, does God have anything to say about this? When I look at His Word, I ask myself, is this something He's going to be pleased with? Look at this. This is the New Testament for Everyone translation. That's what NTE stands for. New Testament for Everyone. Think through what's going to be pleasing to the Lord. I can understand that. I think uh, I think the NIV says, and try to find out what pleases God. I like that. Think through. Think that before I do something, before I act, I have to ask myself, is this something God would want? Is this something God would approve of? Is this something God would bless? I've said this before. I stole it from another preacher. It's true. A lot of times I want God to bless what I do rather than do what he blesses. There's a difference. Oh, I'm going to do this, Lord. I'm going to jump. You better save me from this stupid, you know, move I'm about to do. I don't know. There's some things that some of his laws are just, especially if I was to jump, the law of gravity kind of takes over. His word, his laws are going to be clear when I pull stuff like that. No, it's not. It's, that's not how you're blessed by God. It's not asking him to bless what I do. It's simply saying, Lord, what do you what do you bless? That's what I want to do. And so you have this idea of of pleasing him. What do you think is OK, Lord? What do you think I should do? And sometimes, sometimes the choice is not between good and bad, right and wrong. Sometimes it's between good, better and best. I always like it. When I read my Bible, God gives us more choices than Satan. Did you know that? I love that about, about God. Somebody else, you know, Satan will say, you know, do this. I had somebody one time say to me, they were uh, sleeping with their girlfriend, and he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, let's see. Um, here are the choices you have. You can either continue to sleep with her, and that's what Satan's wanting you to do. That's the choice he's got for you. But God says you can either stop it or get married. Look at that. He's out, already outdone Satan. He just has more choices for you. And, and sometimes we just need to ask ourselves when we're facing a, a choice, of whether it's, especially if it's a right or wrong, you know, what would God want me to do with this? What would be pleasing to him? What would he bless? Look at it uh, here in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul is just talking about handling money and handling things with the church. And he says, our goal is to always please the Lord. He says, whether we live here in this body or there with him. He goes, my goal, he says, I, if, uh, I picture myself in heaven and everybody in heaven wants to please God. He says, so I'm going to have the same kind of attitude when I'm on earth. We're, we're going to be this way. I'm going to please God whether it's here or in heaven. That's my goal. So I open my Bible. I pray through the, the Scriptures. I pray for God to give me a, a thought and idea. I really believe this, this happens. When you ask God for wisdom, like James says, He gives it to you. This has happened to me so many times. I'll say, God, I don't know what, what Bible verse, what story, how do, where do I start? And bam, there's the thought. Wham. My website all of a sudden has a mind of its own, and I, I find this passage or somebody talks to me. The Holy Spirit speaks to my to my spirit and helps me understand and see. I talk it over with people. That phone call you got from that Christian when you were about to do something wasn't coincidental, folks. I'm about to do something stupid and the phone rings. <gasps> Should I answer it? What's God doing there? He's trying to help me. He's trying to help you. 
So that's really, that's where it starts. I just simply try to answer this question. What does God really want? The second thing I can think about is I think about Jesus. This is a very powerful thought. Jesus always did what was right. Would you agree with that? You can count on that. He always did the right thing. And so uh, I try to think about Jesus and I try to think like Jesus. When I was a kid, they used to, or I guess not a kid, maybe a, a young adult, they had these things you could wear, WWJD. Everybody had them. Football players had them, you know, under their black there. You'd see them every once in a while. Or, you, or you'd have them on a keychain, or you'd have it on a sticker. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do is what it stood for. There's a book written by uh, an author named Sheldon called In His Steps that explores that very thought, that concept. What would they, all these people in this, in this book, in this novel, ask themselves a simple question. What would Jesus do? in their everyday life. Now why? Why should I think about Jesus? Because, I'll tell you why, because I become what I think about the most. I don't know how you are, I'm I'm not a very good driver. Uh, People say, well Tim, have you ever been in a wreck? One. Well, you must be a pretty good driver. No, everybody around me is pretty good and they're watching out for me. (laughs) Because I'm a weaver. I'm a a mess. And I, 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 I just think about how I discovered something one time when I was young. I'm driving along, and I'd look over at there would be a deer or something, and my car would go that way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We kind of steer wherever our attention is. Oh, my goodness. What's that all about? Well, I become what I focus on. I become what I think about, what I concentrate on. And the thoughts that I entertain, and this is very important to remember, the thoughts that I entertain, the thoughts that I invest some attention to are going to get me. They're going to get you. And I become what I think about the most. That means that negative and critical thoughts cause me to become cranky and critical. Would you agree? When I'm, th- when I'm focused on you know, negative stuff, pessimistic stuff, I become a critical, cranky person. Now, on the other hand, if I focus on positive things and loving thoughts, I become tender and optimistic. I don't think that's coincidental. Same is true with selfish thoughts or selfless thoughts. When I think of when I'm selfless, I become compassionate and more kind. Now I'm learning some things about my thoughts. I watched Wreck It Ralph two last night with my grandchildren. He wrecks the internet. They do a great job of illustrating what a pop up is. If you haven't seen the movie yet, it is so cute. Pop, pop, pop. All these people coming up. Hey, you want to do this? Hey, pop, punch this here. Hey, type this. And you know, if you're ever on your computer and you're trying to do something and all these pop-ups, you, you've you got every pop-up blocker you can, but they find a way to wiggle themselves in there and pow, there it is again. And thoughts are like that. I got the, I've learned something about thoughts. I get some of them are pop-up thoughts. And if I hit click, I, I'm on it for a while. I've learned something about pop-ups. They stay there, and if I don't pay attention to them, guess what happens? They go off. They try something else. And the same is true with my thought process. I get these thoughts. Some of these thoughts you get, I don't know why you get them. I don't even know why I get them. They come out of nowhere. I, in this lesson, a dirty thought went through my mind. Why? I don't know. My brain is like working overtime and I'm trying to get all of my thoughts in a row and some of them are just not cooperating. 
I've got worries. I've got fears. And they're popping up everywhere. What do I do? Well, I'm learning something. I'm learning that whatever I entertain, whatever I click on, whatever I'm going to put some, some time on, that thought is going to take root in my life. And it will become, if, not careful, if I'm not careful, become an action. It will come out in some way. I've learned this, though, that they, this is the good thing about thoughts. They come and go. This week, I had a thought. I was with somebody. They were irritating me big time. There was nobody here. Make sure you understand that. Good. Okay. But I, and they're irritating me, and I, and I, oh, I'm getting short with them, and I leave the situation, and I want to call my wife, and I want to tell her what happened to me. That thought is in there, and I'm entertaining it. I'm keeping its attention, I'm giving it attention. You want to talk about it, Tim. You know you got to talk about it. Call her up. And I'm going, no, I'm just going to ignore it. I know if I give it enough time, you're going to leave. If I just ignore you long enough, I'm sorry, my thoughts again betray me here, I guess. Anybody seen The Simpsons when they're ignoring all the big monsters and the giant, uh, the the donut guy and all the, the burger, uh, old boy burger, and they ignore them and they die? That's a, If you pay attention to them, they thrive, you know. And the same is true with my thoughts. And so I'm sitting there going, these thoughts, I'm back on track now, these thoughts... What do I do? And you know, I started thinking about something else on purpose. And then it hit me. Hey, I don't have a thought anymore. I didn't make that call. I didn't gossip. Felt good. That's the power of a, of, 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 of learning that I can choose. I can, and you can manage your thoughts. You can discipline your mind. And one of the ways that, that I'm learning to um, deal with these bad thoughts or poor thoughts or whatever, they're not the best thoughts, is I replace them with thinking about Jesus. And I put Jesus in there and He just kind of goes, like a, like a running back, right through a linebacker, get out of my way. And, you know, that bad thought's over in the corner going, <laughs> it's just like, it's over. But the thoughts I entertain, listen to me here, this is very important. But the thoughts you and I entertain, they're going to stick around a little longer. And if that's true, that I become what I think about most, then who I think about most, I become. And one of the things the Bible tells me to do is, is to think like Jesus. I think about right now what my behavior, our behavior or our choices, our values, I, I think have been put together by a team of people that have influenced our lives, our heroes, our role models. I was talking to my mother last night, and we had a long conversation about teachers and the role they play in our lives. We were asking, why do you think I'm the way I am? She goes, well, you know, you're... And we started, she was telling me I'm an eighth German. I didn't even know that. I'm an eighth German. She said, but that's not where you get your stubbornness or your tenacity from. I go, well, thank you, mother. Tell me more. <laughs> she goes, you get it from being English and Welsh, and that, and your emotional side is from the Irish. And I'm going, why has it all got to do with my ethnic background? You've got to be kidding me. I said, I can tell you where I got some of it from. Where? From you. <laughs> she goes, well, and your dad? 
Yeah. And your brothers? Yeah. And your teachers? And I started thinking about teachers and how... I know teaching is tough for some of our teachers here, but what you're doing is amazing. I'm thinking about my first Sunday school teacher. I'm standing here because of her. She built a little part of me, just like teachers have built a little part of you. And over the years, these teachers have had impact on their life. Their legacy is you, what you're doing based on what they've done in the classroom or after school or at a function. There's heroes we have. Has anybody ever said this to you? You know, you're acting just like your... Or you're acting just like... Oh, that reminds me of a movie star you just... Yeah, what is it? They're role models. Who I think about, I even become. I pick up their mannerisms. I pick up some of their behavior. And also I pick up some of their choices. See, Jesus always did the right thing. You talk about a fellow who um, always was concerned about doing what God wanted. Even at Gethsemane, Sonia Stewart reminded me this morning about that. Here he is at Gethsemane and he's going, Father, you know, is there any way you can take this cup from me? But not my will, but yours be done. One translation says, but it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. What a, that's, I want to think about Jesus. I want to have that value. I want to think like that, you see. And if I want to do the right thing, I will fill my thoughts with Jesus. Look at this passage in Hebrews 3. So all of you holy brothers and sisters who were called by God, think about Jesus, who was sent to us and is the high priest of our faith. He was sent to you and I so we could think about Him, learn how to live, live life to its fullest. Look at this in Hebrews 12. After talking about all the people in the Bible, all the great people of faith, Moses, Abraham, all these cool people, Deborah, you know, um, uh, all the, all the, all the men and women of great faith, it says, since we've been surrounded such as by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, you know, sin and the things that hinder us. And then he says, and think about Jesus. He goes, I give you all these other people, but I want you to think about Jesus. I think about Moses. I think about Abraham. Right now in the Daily Bible, we're, we're with Moses right now. And he's on my mind. Hebrew writer who has all this Hebrew history, has all these people he can recall. He says, oh, think about Jesus. Why? He patiently endured the angry insults that sinful people were shouting at him. Think about him so you won't get discouraged and stop trying. There's something powerful about thinking about Jesus. If you don't know what to do, think about Jesus. If you're afraid, think about Jesus. If you're discouraged, think about Jesus. Oh man, it pumps me up. Because He always did the right thing. And how do I do that? How do I always think about Jesus? How do I think about, how do I do that? I guess I, I, I would say you have to picture how He lived. Picture how He lived. Try to recall the situations He was in. And look at His choices. You see, I know this is true about me, and I bet it's true about you, that my picture of Jesus is as good as my knowledge of Jesus. And far too many Christians are content with having a Christmas Jesus and an Easter Jesus. I'm sorry, i got to say that. You say, what are you talking about, Tim? I'm saying, I like Christmas Jesus. I think of Talladega Nights. (laughs) 
I love Christmas Jesus, the little eight pound, twelve ounce baby Jesus. I love him. And that fleece white, you know. He came to earth. Oh, come all ye faithful. You know, I, what, I love Christmas. I love baby Jesus. I've got a nativity scene. I set it up too. And if, if, and, and when Christmas is gone, oh, I can't wait for Easter Jesus because Easter Jesus died on the cross. Of course he died. That is awesome. And he resurrected. We've got a Easter service we are working on. I can't wait to see what happens with this service, you know. We're hoping it's going to be really good and really inspiring and helpful to us. And I love Easter Jesus. But between the Christmas Jesus and the Easter Jesus is a lot of other stuff. And sometimes my knowledge may just be limited to these two pictures. But in between His birth and death and resurrection, there's all these situations and all these people and all the things He taught and said. And you see His choices. You see how He feels about people. And you actually start seeing what was on His mind. What was on His mind on Christmas? I don't know. What's on the mind of a baby? I'm not trying to belittle Jesus. I'm just saying... There's not a lot there. What's on his mind at the resurrection? I remember somebody said one time, a four-year-old, the Bible class said, what did Jesus say when he came out of the tomb? And the four-year-old said, ta-da. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. I don't want to belittle that, but there's so much he taught, so much he said, and and you watching the way he treated people, the way he did stuff, it was just so, he's so amazing. And there's so much there I could flood my head with. I don't have to wait till Christmas. I don't have to wait till Easter. There's much more of the Bible to talk about Jesus in between those. And thinking about him just changes everything. And see, if, if my knowledge of Jesus is sketchy, then my thoughts of him aren't going to be very clear. And I'll tell you, they're not going to be very helpful. I've got to get deeper. Maybe, maybe I, uh, uh, there's a book called 30 Days with Jesus, like a daily Bible. I'm, I'm reading a book right now, Mentoring Like Jesus. And it's the very first time I've read a book in a long time that actually looks at how Jesus discipled <laughs> instead of using a title and saying a bunch of other stuff. No, if I really want to do the right thing, I ought to model my life and model my thought process after someone who did and always does the right thing. It's Jesus. So I've got to deepen my understanding of His story. Look, it says in Philippians 2, this is what Paul says, think the same way that Christ Jesus thought. Think the same way Christ Jesus thought. See, I'll think more like Jesus when I'm better acquainted with what He thinks. What does Jesus, what does Jesus feel about? And you fill in the blank. I'm sure he thinks about, he has a thought about it. I'm sure he has a view of it and a value. Look at the Bible says here in 1 Peter 2. Here's one of his closest disciples said this. This is what you were called to do because Christ suffered for you and gave you an example to follow. So you should do as he did. What would Jesus do in this situation? How would he respond I need to ask questions like this, see. And see, I'll know. I'll know what to do when I get serious about looking at the values of the Son of God. Number three. So I think about what God wants. I think about what 
I think about Jesus. I think about people. Now, this is a no-brainer. Everybody thinks about people. Am I right? We love thinking about people. We're always thinking about somebody else. <laughs> Sometimes we have to have people say, you know, you really need to look at yourself because we're so busy looking at everybody else, okay? Well, I, I want you to know the Bible says we should think about people. When it, when it comes to deciding what to do, look what it says here in Philippians 2. Each one of you should not think only about himself, but about other people also. Now, some of you are going, wow, I'm obeying Jesus. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, kind of. Let's get more specific here. Because if you think about it for a minute, our, our culture is totally opposite what he's talking about here. He's not talking about thinking about people so you can put them down or thinking about people so you can compare yourself with them or thinking about their stuff and not thinking about your own stuff. He's talking about caring and focusing on what what they need. And our culture only wants us to focus on what we want and need. And so this what a what a what a crazy counterculture statement Paul is making here. He's saying, you've got to think about Jesus, but I want you to think about others, not so much about yourself. And if I want to do right, if I want to do the right thing and make the right call on some things, it simply comes down to, well, how does it impact the choices of other people? I know parents know this sometimes, and, and teenagers know this sometimes, and adults, we all know it at, at times, we think about how's that going to impact everybody else? But this is something that should dominate our thinking. Look at this in Romans 12. Focus your thoughts on what is right in the sight of all people. Say, you know, if you do a Bible gateway search of this patch, it's kind of odd because it says, do what is right that other people think is right. That's not what it's meaning. Some of them mistranslate this. He's not talking about doing what I'm to do what you think is right and you're to do what I think is right. Talk about doing the right thing in front of each other. Uh, here's how Paul explains it. Does a better job in Second Corinthians. No offense, Paul, but look at this. Our purpose is to do what is right, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of others. See, whether you like it or not, people are watching you. There are cameras everywhere. Have you noticed that? When I was a kid, you could do something and get away with it. You could soap some public building and get away with it on Halloween. You could TP somebody and get away with it. Today, yeah, you got to cover your face. <laughs> Jared, man, he's always got the right idea. There you go. Cover your face. <laughs> Bob, what are we going to do? Okay. But it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's cameras at Walmart. There's cameras at school. There's cameras or you're driving down the road and stopping. There's a camera watching you, ready to get you if you step out of line. Cameras at business. There's even cameras here. I don't know how many times somebody will say, hey, I've been, I've been looking on my phone trying to catch those guys doing donuts out in the parking lot. We got them everywhere. By the way, I want to catch those guys, okay? <laughs> I want to catch them, all right? So I have no problem with that. But I'm saying they're everywhere. But you know, long before any security cameras or drones, or by the way, in case, well, there's places that there's no cameras, there's a satellite that can read a 
postage stamp from space. You're under surveillance everywhere you go. Now you're going, that's making me paranoid. Well, I don't mean to make you paranoid. But I got to tell you, before there were cameras, before there was any drones, before there was satellites, we were watched. People are watching you. They're watching you. Little eyes are watching you. My grandchildren are watching me. I can't say, I can't say stupid. Because, uh, Papa, that's wrong. You're not supposed to say stupid. I said, you know, Proverbs 12.1 says you're stupid if you don't listen to advice. And she looks over at mom and dad. Is that true? <laughs> don't be messing with grandpa. I know some Bible verses. <laughs> but you know, it's a... People do watch us. Our neighbors are watching us. Our co-workers are watching us. Come on, we're watching each other. And some of us are watching because we love each other and we don't want somebody to get hurt. But some of us are watching and we're looking for one of two things. We're either looking for some encouragement or an excuse. You say, well, Tim, so you're making me more paranoid now. I'm more... You know, I want you to know, God doesn't, does, He wants you to know everybody's watching. But not to make you paranoid. He wants you to have purpose now. Have a purpose when you're at work, or in your neighborhood, or in your home. He wants you to think about these people and do what is right. You see, doing the right thing is not determined by what people will think of you. But what will people think of God? That's what should drive you. That's what our culture's needing from, from our Christians. That's what Greater Alton needs to be, wherever we are. That people see an accurate picture of God. Oh, are they going to see a picture of me? Well, yeah, I'm a dope. I make all kinds of gaffes and mistakes. and They're going to see, well, look at him. But they don't see arrogance. They're not going to see arrogance. They don't want to see that. They want to see humility and says, you know what? I, I do the best I can. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I just want to be a good church. But I, you know what? I'm learning. I'm learning this. I'm still, I've still got some virus in me. I'm not after a big church, guys. I'm after big people. I'm after bigger people now. I want, I want you to have bigger faith. Bigger love, bigger hearts, bigger pocketbooks, everything bigger, bigger vision, bigger hope. The size of the church will take care of itself. And I just know that, you know, thinking about people, people are watching me. What kind of people, Tim? Well, let me give you two types of people. Think of believers right now in this building, right now in this room. Somebody needs to see you do the right thing and be the right person. They're living and waiting for you to be the right person, Dad, Mom, older brother, cousin, Grandpa, Gigi. You know, they're 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 looking they're looking to say, is this what it's like to be a Christian for thirty years? Is this what it's like to be a Christian after a year? They're looking for inspiration. They're looking for encouragement. Hebrews ten says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I've always used that old, the other translation, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Spur means like, a, like they were in Texas, sink some spur. So you prod them and push them and poke them. That's not what he's really meaning. 
Oh, to irritate them. I know. Well, it is irritating to get pushed and prodded, and right? But I've I got to think of ways to motivate. And I know condemning and yelling and throwing a fit doesn't motivate me as much as encouragement. Just getting some encouragement. And one of the ways I can motivate other people is being this example that I'm responsible. I'm responsible for. So ask yourself, will my decision encourage other believers to open their Bibles, to open their minds, to open their hearts, to open their homes? I can also think of unbelievers. That's another thing I can think about. There's another type of people. There's people who just don't believe in God. They don't believe what God has to say. And there's lots of them. Look what it says here in Proverbs 2, or I mean 1 Peter 2. People who don't believe are living all around you. Is that still true? That was said 2,000 years ago. It's still true. Maybe more so. They may say that you are doing wrong, so live such good lives that they'll see the good you do. Can I, would you permit me to say the good, the right? You do. And they will give glory to God on the day He comes. Ask yourself, will my decision help or hinder evangelism? Will my decision, does it help or hinder people from finding Christ? Does it hinder or help my church or my myself to reach somebody for Jesus? And the last thing is, I think about eternity. I think about eternity. Life is packed with lots of choices. And, and some of these choices have an impact on what I'm doing here on earth. And some of them go beyond. Some of those choices I make, those right choices, have an impact beyond after I'm gone. You know, I, I realize because there's lots... I, 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 you know, I know my mom used to give me a hard time about this. Still does, probably. Um, and that's this idea. I, I, as you're living, as we're doing things, as we're raising our family, as we're making money and spending money and buying things and and uh, getting an education and and growing old and on and on and on... There's this reoccurring thought that keeps that God keeps putting in each of our brains to kind of keep everything in perspective. It's an attempt to keep everything in perspective. What is that? Well, it says here in Psalms 119 what that thought is. I am here on earth for just a little while. I don't know about you, but I, I, as I'm getting older, you say as you're getting... I'm in the red zone. I'm getting closer to the end zone. I know that. We were, we were praying as praying with some girls this morning. We were talking about, you know, we don't think death should happen to 19-year-olds. 90-year-olds. Unless you're 90, and that's 99. <laughs> but whether we live just a few minutes, a few days, or a hundred years, or whatever, I'm only going to be here a little while. Most of my existence... <sighs> Trillions of years, and that's not even touching it, it's going to be an eternity compared to whatever years I get here. And I, it's not a hint, it's a fact. This is not my permanent home. I'm supposed to go somewhere else. 
Look what it says here in 1 Peter 2. Friends, this world is not your home. I thought that was a song. I didn't know it was in the Bible. This world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. <laughs> don't get all cozy. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Don't get all, all attached to everything here because you can't take it with you. First Peter here again, Peter's talking. He says, so if you call God your father, live your time as temporary residents on earth. Huh? He's talking about, I have a, I'm only here temporarily. I know some of you occasionally will have somebody move into your house. Could I stay there for a couple of days? It ends up being a little longer than a couple of days. And you have to remind them, uh, this is a temporary arrangement, right? This wasn't supposed to be forever. And God is one who reminds us with every funeral, with every, every cemetery we go by, hey, <laughs> this is a temporary situation. You see, when you die, when I die, I'm not leaving home, I'm going home. That's where I go to stay. Now, I know we can talk about, well, is it this earth or is it another place or all this? I don't really care as much as the idea of, hey, where I'm going, I'm going to stay. I want to stay there and I want it to be with the Lord. And that has an impact on the decisions we're going to make, on the, the that thinking. This world is not my home. Don't get too attached to this place, Tim. Because all of our decisions sometimes are about, oh, I gotta make enough money, and I gotta get this, and I gotta get that house, and I gotta get that car, and I gotta get that education, I gotta get that promotion, I gotta get, I gotta get, get, and, and at the end, when you die, you are leaving and it's staying. So what do we do? I've gotta think more long term than just about here. Jesus said it like this, don't store up treasures here on earth. Your treasures, he says, cannot be here. Don't make your treasures earth stuff. Where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty. And where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. Where they'll never become moth-eaten or rusty. And where they'll be safe from thieves. Then he says this, wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. What's he saying here? When it comes to choosing what you're going to do with your life, he says, think more long term. Don't be so short term, short sighted. Think more long term. Think about your eternity. I was reading a little paragraph in a book this week and I it's, it kind of bothered me. Um, I don't know what to do with it. Um, the guy says, after 30 seconds, 30 seconds after you die, your memories are going to be gone. He says, people are going to go through your stuff, through your trinkets, through your photographs, and they're going to throw most of them away. Why? Because they're your memories. And he says, for some reason, we have this idea, and maybe it's American, maybe it's just being a human being. 
we're out to make memories of our life. That's what it's about. I'm going to make some memories. And he says, and, and this preoccupation with making memories, and I can't quite understand it. Maybe you can help me understand it better later. It can rob us of the meaning of life. That it means more than just making a bunch of memories. Does that make any sense? Because the more I think about it, the more I go, I just want to make memories with my life. I want, I want to find the meaning of it. And the meaning of it stretches further than the last heartbeat. It, it, it encompasses so much more than my car and my house and my kids. And, and if I think eternal, then how I see my car and my kids and my grandkids and my house all change. They have meaning. They're not just a bunch of things I gather for memories. Now you say, but Tim, aren't there things important? I mean, are jobs important? Education important? Or health? All, all that stuff's important. I, I, I know that. I know that these things are important. But listen, we've got to get this through our thick skulls here. They're not the most important thing. Somehow we've got to say, yes, they're important, but they're, but they're not the most important in my life. Because I can't take them with me. They stay here. So what's important is what I take with me. And by the way, those are the things that Paul says are unseen, that are eternal, that I should think about and fix my thoughts on and make my choices from. I know choosing the right thing is tough to do. And I wish I could tell you most of the time I've chosen the right thing. I don't even know if I can say that. I know I can't say all the time. It's hard to choose the right thing. To be objective and say, you know, it's tainted with what I want. I want what God wants. And to pattern your life like Christ, that's tough. Is it worth it? And I want to leave you with this idea here. Paul said this. It is worth it, by the way. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. I want you to know this morning, God rewards your faithfulness. He re- he'll reward your faithfulness. And when you choose the right, He'll reward that. He'll bless that. He promises to do that beyond what you can even understand and think. As I close, there's a story about Harry Houdini. You know, he was a famous escape artist. And... Um, he had made a claim that there was no jail cell that could hold him in. Well, they, they put him in this one particular cell. And he had hidden a piece of metal somewhere in his clothing, and he began to work with the lock, and he started working with it. And 30 minutes go by, and he's beginning to sweat, and he's working on some more. Another hour goes by, and, and he's like, what's the deal? I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I just I made this bold claim I could get out of any cell. And he keeps working with the lock, and nothing's working. He goes, oh, my goodness. And finally, he just sits on the floor of the cell and just goes, well, this is going to be embarrassing. And he lets his head fall and it bumps the door. It opens right in front of him. He didn't even check the lock. His thought was so powerful that he thought the door was locked. His mind was locked. 
From then on, every time he went into a prison cell, he checked the door. He learned something. I want to ask you this morning, what's a powerful thought that either going to lock you out or lock you in? You know what I'm saying? That's keeping you from being free to be a believer? Or is, is there some thought that you've got that's just got a hold of you so much you can't move an inch for Christ? It's in your head. It's in your head, whatever it is. Is it a fearful thought? Is it some worry? And it's keeping you from making great choices. Why not just ask God, God, would you just help me? Give me the wisdom. He promises to give us wisdom. He promises to give you wisdom. Would you give me, open up my mind, help me have better thoughts? What choice are you facing right now? You need to bring thoughts of Jesus, thoughts of others, thoughts of what God wants, thoughts of eternity into. Till you bring those in there, it's going to make a big difference in the choices you make. You have a card in your bulletin, and that card is a simple response card. Maybe you want to make a choice, a decision today. Or maybe you've got something you want people to pray for you about. And these cards we take up, people actually pray through those cards, which you write down. Um, they take them very seriously. I hope you will too. I want to ask you, we're going to give you a chance to, to maybe write, maybe there's a prayer request or a question you've got, maybe whatever we can do to help you here. We're going to give you a moment to do that. After I pray, we're going to sing a song, give you a chance to do that. And then we're going to sing another song, take up those cards along with our regular contribution. And again, I want to remind our guests here, you're under no obligation to give when the plate is passed. So we're not here to get anything out of your pocket. We're here to give you something. So God bless you with healthy thinking. God bless you with great mental health. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for the thoughts we're having here. Father, we want to make better choices this year. And Father, we want to, we want to be like Jesus. Could you help us think like Him? We know that we get in trouble when we don't. What do you want us to do, Father? What do you want from us? Would you answer that, Father? Would you help us, Father, um, think about doing the right thing, not just in front of your eyes, but also in the eyes of our children, our friends, our enemies. Let others motivate us, Father, to do the things that will make the greatest impact on them. And Father, help us think about eternity today. And Father, sometimes this life can get really tough and and just think, when's this all going to end? Thank God it's going to. And we're looking forward to that eternal time with you. Father, we pray for Phil and Sabrina and for, for many of us here that know them and just how devastating losing a child must be. Father, give them greater comfort. Give them the comfort knowing that He loved you. I think about, Father, people that um, aren't here that could be, and Father, we pray for them that You'll bring them back to us. And Father, we pray that You'll lead us to someone who wants to know You even deeper. Help us be good ambassadors. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.